How do we? How do I get paid for this? You get paid for for what? Podcasting? I called this for. <laughs> there ain't no sanity clause. There's no way to get paid for podcasting. Mm. How do you uh, get paid for calling uh, the stock on Robert Pattinson? I was saying buy from almost day one. You were when everybody Absolutely. was saying sell. That yeah. glitter never comes off. You're going to find it <laughs> weeks later. Your wife's going to have questions. I was saying, bye, bye, bye. Yes, absolutely. And here we are, ready to talk about three new trailers. Uh-huh. Two of them, uh, unless there's something I don't know about Jojo Rabbit, feature Robert Pattinson. Yes. The man himself. He is very hot right now. Yes. Um, and I would say a, a, a very bankable star. Ooh. Yeah. Bankable? Yeah. Oh, I like this. It, Boku uh, box office, huh? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Boku I B.O. I so. My, um, so... He's gonna be Batman. I was wondering, like, is yeah. He... I mean, that's pretty bankable. Yeah, is <laughs> is he gonna play a Marvel character at some point too? No, no. They th- this was them. Like, I think somebody else at Warner uh, for all the mistakes that they do make uh, is like, wait a minute, wait a minute. He's gonna here. put something in there. His we claws. Got a, I got an idea. Uh-huh. Somebody else had the same, um, you know, the same premonition or the same looked at the at the movie stock market mm-hmm. and said the same thing as I did. But yes. their uh, lips were to somebody important's ear, whereas <laughs> my lips are just to the void. Okay. Just All a right. well that I screamed down. All right. Whoever is listening. Yeah. So, so I guess I'm calling <laughs> the listenership yeah. a well, but right. a uh, a sexy well. You're working out? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's I knew about that. So we're going to yeah. talk about that a little later. Uh, but first, we'll talk about who we are. We're the Justin Upto Podcast. I'm your host, Caliban. Joined, as always, by my co-host. Hi, I'm Yikon Hana. She does this. She does this. Yeah. Instead of just, she could just sing the vocal over my, like, if if we were like a rapping duo and I started off like, you'd be like, and it'd just be like two people beatboxing I randomly. I know, I know. Somebody going to rap here yeah. on top of this? All right. Or, nope, nope. Calm down. All right. So anyway, yeah, uh, we're here to talk about uh, the new Quentin Tarantino movie. Yes. Um, which, I don't know, I just went back to. The music from his first movie. Yeah. Um, but he's just putting music in all of his movies. Absolutely. Somebody going to turn this guy on to emo. <laughs> What's going to happen? Um, because if think, he keeps I making movies, the train has has sailed. It, it, so he's to say. keeping making. He's still making movies. Yeah. Although he keeps threatening to quit. Yeah. We'll talk about whether he should quit or not uh, a little later. But if he keeps making movies and he's going to make them in the past like he likes to, at some point it'll be the two thousands. Yes. And when it's the two thousands. He's going to have some guy, he's going to have an older Robert Pattinson uh-huh. playing somebody's dad. Sure. Listening to what? Uh, um, Herman's Hermits on the radio? I don't, I don't think know. so. It's My not Chemical gonna be no, Romance? Yeah, or... Mungo Jerry. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to have to be Panic at the Disco. Exactly. Or or something of that nature. Yes. Um, I mean, emo was huge at that time. So, yeah. Mm, you're telling me. <laughs> you know. I do know. you big... Big emo fan. Uh, well, I like Panic at the Disco, anyways. We did that. This was the last show I think we talked about. I think we about talked Panic about the them. Disco. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. let's not do that again. Okay. Are they, they're all like probably late 30s now, right? Something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A couple pounds heavier. Yeah. Hopefully. Not too bad. Well, they, got a kid or two. The, and now the, they're back. The lead singer just did a song with Taylor Swift not that Pum- long ago. Ooh. Pull on. Oh, wait. Was that the. Um, the 
he's happy or it's her happy or somebody's happy. Something like that. Getting ha- okay, that was that guy? I think so. Okay, all right. Well, I mean, there, like, there was like rainbows everywhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And yeah, yeah. fancy costumes yep. Yep. and like in-your-face stuff. Yeah. yeah. That's the new Taylor. Yeah. That's the like-me Taylor. Right. Like me. Like me, like me. Um, you say you like me. Yeah. I'm just thinking like, you, you know, you pull on the Husser jacket and it's like, oh, so, so tight. I've let some of these... Some of these buttons out. There's only 37 of them. Right. So, just have to know what they dress like uh, when they are doing shows. But yeah. if you don't, it's not funny at all. Uh, so, we're talking about that. Uh, we're also talking about the news, of course, and this um, brace, I think we decided, uh, is what we call a group of trailers, a yeah. flock of trailers in the wilds called a brace. Sure. So, we're talking about those as well. A story of film today on yeah. the Just Enough Trope podcast. We'll be talking about film because. That's what Quentin Tarantino wants to talk about. Yeah. What if he liked, he likes film. Yes, he does. And then let's say he likes um, lacrosse or something. Okay. Like what, what if there's one other thing that he Really was liked? into? Yeah. Like you just got him in, in like on a Coke binge. You go 36 hours with him, right? Mm-hmm. You guys are in the middle of the desert. You're out by Barstow or something. And he just is, stops talking. He was talking about uh, Truffaut. He stops talking. And then he's like, I mean, like with the, with the lacrosse, with the thing, and the, the, uh-huh. and the grass or something. Just something else that he likes. You know what I mean? And then he pulls a lacrosse stick out of the trunk of his car. Whoa. <laughs> I wasn't looking for a pitch here, but. Or like toy poodles. Like he's just got oh a long, he could talk forever about also toy poodles. Right. And film. Yeah, right. Um, I think we need to get him another hobby. I don't trust sure. people who do something and then they also love it. <laughs> wow. Do you know what I mean? I think I know what you mean, but isn't that just called somebody who's passionate? And yeah, but that's what I don't trust. Why don't you trust Especially it? Especially when it's it's not like I love making chairs and here's a really great chair. With film and with media, you love something, but you've absorbed so much of it hmm. that it's affected you and now you want to comment on it. Nobody's trying to make a, an ironic chair. Nobody's making a chair that's that true. that you know says something about the, the, the process of making chairs. No. It's just a chair. Right. But that's how he makes films. And like I don't know for a fact, but like I feel like Tarkovsky just needed to make art. You know what I mean? Like his mm-hmm. he came from an artistic background. He wanted to say something, and so the way that he came about doing it was film. But if he hadn't died young, relatively young, maybe he would have been like, I'm just gonna like sculpt now or something. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Like something. he's just that was the medium that the thing had to be in the expression. Mm-hmm had to find itself in that medium. But it wasn't right. just like, Tarantino's just, he's going to make films no matter what because he just yeah, loves know, right? films so much. Yeah. And then my thing is, and maybe we're getting into the review, is when you love something that much, you can't see it for what it really is. Oh, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, like you're too close to it to really Film be able to see is it. his cheating, you know, junkie girlfriend. Uh-huh. That he's just like, no, she's... She's, she's great. She's great. Yeah. You know, sometimes she's, yeah, but she's great. Right. <laughs> You're thinking real hard here. I'm just thinking about if that's accurate or not. Okay. But you'll never well, challenge you, me on well, anything you, that I say. So. Do you think it's accurate? <laughs> that's up for you to decide. Oh, all right. Um. Nothing. I, I, I don't know what to say. Just start going. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the news. <laughs> 
Well, we talked about last week, maybe, or the week before, uh, the kid from Freaks and Geeks came knocking on my door about how Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly, the kid from Freaks and Geeks, mm-hmm. uh, who were part of the writing team for the original Spider-Man movie. Yes, uh, with Tom Holland. Home, yeah. yeah, Homecoming. And I think maybe we're possibly looked at to direct. Um, they directed um, Game Night, didn't they? I think that's yeah. correct. Yeah. We wonder why they weren't writing on the second star. Star. <laughs> it's a Star Wars movie. That really old movie. Uh, the Spider-Man movie. <laughs> uh, it's because they've got other things in the fire. And one of those things is the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Good luck to them. Paramount um, Pictures wants to make this Dungeons and Dragons movie. Well... I don't know if it was Paramount Pictures before, but we know what the kind of track record Dungeons and Dragons movies have had before. There's been one. I know. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it was pretty bad. And you're right. It wasn't great. Um, I mean, I think Jeremy Irons as the bad guy was the highlight, um, but it was a it was a pretty, pretty bad movie. No, you didn't like Snails? The Snails was okay. I mean, he was fine. He was funny. But then, like, he... he Spoiler alert, he dies, and Whoa, like, then he's hey. gone from the film. Spoiler and then you, for like, a 20-year-old film. I know, and then you, you've taken away the um That's how you know they're relief. serious. I, I know, right? But when it's they like, kill the black guy. Well, I know. It's, it's like doubly bad. Like, you kill the black guy, and he's also the comedic relief, so now we're going to just be super serious the rest of the time, and dragons. Um, and it's just... It's not fun. You want it to be fun. Dungeons and Dragons is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be an adventure. And you're supposed to enjoy <laughs> Tell my it. game master that. I know. But <laughs> like it, the film was like a, a power hungry game master who just like took over Whoa. and like ran the whole thing and didn't let the players do much of anything. Yeah. The whole thing was on rails. It was. No, no player choice. No. I choose to leave. Right. And eat juju bees. Yeah. These two had, um, speaking of movies that have been in development for a while, these two were connected to the Flash movie for a while. Hmm. I think they were the latest pick to uh, write and direct the Flash film. Um, so they're How's leaving that. that going for them? Yeah. yeah. Well, they're leaving that to come to this. And they're actually replacing Chris McKay, who was the n- most recent guy, uh, but in the chair to get this uh, Dungeons and Dragons things going. So. I, I don't know who that is. What else matter. has he done? doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I'm not gonna tell you. Okay. So uh, yeah. So I don't know. We'll uh, we'll see. Um, you know, there are uh, they're funny dudes. Yep. Um, so I think that comedy is gonna probably be a part of this. You know what I think it's gonna be? What do you think it's gonna be? Because Hollywood is always full of cowards, but it just seems like a real yellow streak right now. Um, see <laughs> Jumanji. See the Dora the Explorer movie, which. Seem like the same movie to me. Yeah. Just a real lack of confidence in a premise, and everything has to be winking. And we don't. This is dumb, right? This is dumb, right? Everybody, right? right? And everybody's afraid of doing something original. So getting these two on board makes me think that it'll be, it might literally be a situation where some kids are sucked into a Dungeons and Dragons board, and then I don't like this. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> The best thing I ever did was teach you about I'm, the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon show. I, I know. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, uh, you know, it'll be a real because I mean, you could do that. The thing about that though is that that was played straight. The the cartoon show. Yeah. Yeah, and it was actually entertaining because well, it was played. <laughs> it's not great, but well, but it'll be just like okay, well, well and I don't have to roll this dice and like oh, well, my chainmail is blah, blah, blah. it's just it's just gonna be that right. 
Yeah, and I mean, that could be okay if it's done right. You know what I mean? <laughs> like Jumanji? Well, the it next has, level? has to be better than Jumanji. <laughs> Let me put it that way. Your sexy dance moves need not reply. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So. I know. Yeah. Do, uh, do you feel bad for the one kid who got cut out of the Jumanji sequel? Because all the kids come back, at least for, yeah. they're only ever really in the framing story, right? Right. The Breakfast Club part. And then we switch yeah. to the, the quote unquote A-listers. A-list stars. Yeah. Um, but now it's like, now get rid of those kids. And then we'll have uh, Danny DeVito, DeVito and. Uh, What's his name? Danny Glover. Yes. The Dannys. The two Dannys. Uh, will yes. work uh, for two days on this pick. Yeah. Right. <laughs> in the frame story. Right. And then then the, the A-list stars will pretend to be them. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, I feel, I guess I feel a little bad. Um, I'm kind of curious as to how the Jonas brother gets sucked back in because like the end of the first movie, spoiler alert, I guess, like he get they, out. They, yes, they get out and they oh. see him later. And the one girl who kind of had a crush on him. Oh, she's like, oh, no, I can follow up on this. And like, even he's, though he's he's older, married and has kids. Oh, that's right. Yeah, oh, they boy, seem with like a minivan went or right something. Right through me, like I know, like a taco from Del Taco. <laughs> um, well, that's kind of how it's designed. Yeah, so. I guess so. Well, here's something that I didn't really know anything about, but everybody has been talking about. So I guess that that's good. Uh, HBO <laughs> is ordering a uh, straight to series order for Circe, which is a Greek mythology. Uh, ancient Greek type show. It's based okay. on Madeline Miller's uh, 2018 novel, which was a bestseller, very popular, huh. and it's told from. Um, it's, it sounds like um, uh, Maleficent. Okay. For Circe, it's told. It's like okay. Circe begins. So it's like told from like Circe's point of view. So she's kind of like an anti-hero character. And, yes, she and goes not a bad from guy. like a junior witch. You know, it's like Wicked, um, but huh. serious. Uh, that sounds kind of interesting. No, I'm it kind of. That I'm, sounds so you think so? Yes. Yes. I was like, I'm kind of intrigued. Maybe I should read the book first or well, something like that. Well, maybe it might be up your alley and give it a shot. Um, but I, I'm not. Look, yes, there need there should have been more myths. Go back in time, yell at the ancient Greeks for <laughs> not being feminist. There should have been more myths starring female characters. But right. that doesn't mean that you take like where's the uh, Polybius uh, movie? You know, where is the uh, what, what, Penelope, like what was she, sure. 20 years of just sitting around waiting for uh, Odysseus to come back. Let's right. have her movie. It's like, right. no, these are all side characters in one character's quest. Yeah, It's a I road know. movie where he just has these different uh, vignettes. Mm-hmm. I don't think that there's like a Cersei. So is he going to be in it to be like an <laughs> asshole or something like that? That's why like like Maleficent didn't see the movie, but I, I, just, I don't really care because she's just bad guy. That's like... Well, I saw it and it's, you know, it's like... They're making you sympathetic? I don't care. Yeah, I want to exactly. see Prince Charming, like, stab her to death. Um, I, I have to say... <laughs> I don't pers- care that he's like, no, Prince Charming, don't stab her to death. Right. Because her f- father didn't love her enough. Right. I don't care. Well, I mean, her her costume was cool. The makeup was cool. Um, it was cool that it was Angelina Jolie, I well, guess. it gets to be cool again when but, you see the sequel. But I know, but I, I, I didn't feel very strongly about seeing Maleficent's like story like it was not earth shattering and I don't think it really added anything to the original story no it's and fairy tales are not are supposed to be um simplistic sure yeah you invite everybody 
to the party, mm-hmm. but you don't invite the evil witch. Right. So the little Makes lesson. Sense. So the lesson there is maybe eh, just invite everybody. And just invite everybody. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> then you won't have a curse. Next time you're having a party, yeah. Yeah. Invite everybody. Yeah. Um, and then you That's know. That's actually not a bad lesson, you know. Yeah, and then also like don't. I'm not sure really like what the ultimate theme of Sleeping Beauty is, but it's also about like not being able to escape fate because if you make sure that everybody wears mumus and daishikis across the land and destroy all sewing equipment, you're still going to happen somehow because you're fated for this to happen. Yes. Yeah. But now we get to see where she learns the spell that turns men into pigs. Uh, Yeah, I know, right? Um, Not not terribly exciting. So you're not you're not excited about the Circe series, okay? Not really. All right. Um. Let's pick some some female characters. Um, Atalanta. Persephone. Uh, per, oh, Persephone could be a good one. Yeah. Wait, right? Yeah, that could be a good one. Because she's conflicted, right? I mean, she doesn't have a choice. She has well, to d- go Persephone to the underworld. Persephone and um, uh, D- or, or Demeter or Hestia or whichever her, her one you want to go with. Yeah. yeah. Just having seen it both from the mother's and the, and daughter's, the daughter's point, point of, view of view and dealing with all that stuff. Yeah, I yeah, think so. Yeah, that'd be really good. Um... um. Uh, I mean, do you do Artemis? Yeah, Artemis would be good. Um, what about like Athena too? Um, yeah, Athena. I'm trying to think of like a, a, a myth where Athena's really like the hero and like the protagonist of it. Not really. I can't mm. think of anything. Okay. Isn't because uh, she's it, just kind of there and powerful. Because the story of uh, isn't the story of um, Orion. Um, the hunter, you know, was a mortal hunter. And wasn't mm-hmm. he like, Artemis is like, I don't like this guy. This guy's it's good. And they had a thing going. And then she was like tricked into into killing him. Oh, I'm not familiar with that. I know that she was bathing and somebody saw her. And <laughs> she, she torn, she, like, torn to pieces. Yeah, bears. exactly. Yeah, cool. Cool stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it seems, seems fair. Yeah, um, I love it. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, to our movie. Yeah. We'll start from the bear's perspective. Oh, my God. It's just a cub. Yeah, right. Um, the law of the gods is eternal. <laughs> but, Mother, I don't want to eat a peeping Tom. <laughs> One day you'll be called upon to... I can see it now. <laughs> I mean, Hera might be kind of interesting, but she's she'd just be like a shrieking harpy like most no, of the time. No, no, you'd, you'd do a, a Maleficent about Hera, you know, about oh, how... okay. Why she's She'd be jealous. sympathetic. Okay. <laughs> she's jealous because her husband is, is a lout. Um, yeah, and then you just kind of yada yada Hercules because she was not she was the villain of that story. Yeah, she was not great in that. Story. Or you could you know what you take it head on. You do a, t- a two hander, Hercules versus Hera, well, sorry Heracles versus Hera, uh-huh. and then you you know see it from you subvert the expectations of seeing Hercules as a hero who is doing heroic acts, but himself is not great. Mm-hmm. We're really into like. You know, uh, excoriating the shine, you know, uh, on the on like these heroic characters, seeing you know behind the thing, and then see Hera as somebody who has a cause, you know, has a um, reason to be upset, but takes it too far. Yeah, you know, a Medea, for instance. Uh, Yeah, takes it way too far. Well, yeah, right. So it's it's there. Yeah, it's there. I agree. You don't have to do a Maleficent. No. For Cersei. No, you don't. I guess this is a uh, 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 argument against the TV show. Yeah, we've, that's what we're doing. Okay, all right. I'm, I'm very honest about not liking. All right, yeah, it's a bad idea. I know. Hey, here's a good idea. What? Streaming Doctor Who on HBO Max. Why? I mean, like, 
Doctor Who is like for kids. Why put it on an HBO Max? I mean, I know they have Sesame Street. Sunny day, chasing All the right. clouds okay. away. They're really trying to get people to get HBO Max, huh? I think that they are, yeah. So does that mean that Doctor Who is not going to be on Netflix anymore? So here's the deal. I don't... Is it on Netflix now? I don't honestly know. I don't think it is. honest. That uh, first air deal with BBC America is unshakable. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's their network. Right. So when the show comes back uh, early next year, it will air first on BBC America, but then it'll move to HBO HBO Max Max as its streaming home. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, that's that's a good deal for HBO. Uh, it's a it's a lot of eyes looking at you for the and that's what Doctor they want to do. It took them a long, long, long time. They were the one of the last uh, you know uh, entities to to give in to the whole a la carte streaming biz. Yeah, um, because it wasn't TV; it was HBO, and they wanted to have exclusivity, you know, for their product. But I think that they've realized that money is awesome. Yeah, and they <laughs> they need to have some shows that are outside of themselves. Yeah. Uh, to get more eyes on them. Yeah. So. I mean, having something that's exclusive is great, and that's why you offer it to everybody. Right. You know? Like, Chanel is like a is a ooh, highfalutin brand, mm-hmm. but you can just get it. It's not like you have to, like, know somebody to, to get it or something right. like that. You just go right. and, and just get it. Yeah. Okay. Um, good for HBO Max, I guess. So, here's a question. Sure. Um. What's the difference between HBO Go and HBO Max? I don't know. Okay. Um, here's here's what I think. HBO Go is just the ability to to watch anywhere. watch um, either live or um, streamed content if you yeah. are an HBO subscriber. Okay. HBO Max is their sign up so thing that's, for it's separate. yeah. Or they might be merging them. I I'm not keeping track. Okay. But this will just be some kind of streaming offering. Um, okay. They've also licensed other stuff that they um, have uh, done through the BBC, like um, The Office, uh, okay. Top Gear episodes, sure. um, Lufa, um, <laughs> and then also, you know, uh, Friends, because Friends member is leaving Netflix. This is yes. the big um, deal with um, where Friends is going. Yeah. And, um, you know, now you can watch The Sopranos um, on streaming. Sure. So, even though I've got it on DVD. Right, right. Um, I mean, I guess it makes sense. Um, all those shows are hit TV shows, so you're going to get, like I said, just even more eyes. So um, good move for them, I guess. So More eyes. Yeah. Argus. Argus begins. <laughs> we find out he's got two eyes. Oh, no. How does he get all the way to 100? Right. That's what we need to check out. Exactly. It reminds me of American Gods a little bit. <sighs> I know. I know. What a great example. Yeah. And and the, the now we'll take... Our earlier thing about Jumanji, plug it together with our Maleficent thing, and go. the ge- The genius of Neil Gaiman is that yeah. he does both. He gives you the dumb Maleficent begins uh, yeah. story at the same time, going, "Can you believe this? Look at this. This is so. Oh, you think this is how it is? Yeah. Uh, he t- takes both of those. Th- I think I don't like Neil Gaiman, or at least I don't Ooh. like modern Neil Gaiman. I like Neil Gaiman. Maybe I don't like Neil Gaiman the TV. Oh, you love the ocean at the end of the lane that really knocked you out. I liked that book thank you very much (laughs) i i got it wrong there are very few of his books that i don't actually like and 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 i have to say american gods did not really do it for me like i read that mirror mask i haven't read mirror mask yeah no no it's a movie oh yeah no (laughs) i haven't neil gaiman fan here i haven't seen that movie Um, well anyway i don't like his televisual stuff okay fair 
Um, I was enjoying Good Omens so far. I've only seen the first couple of I episodes. I don't like his televisual stuff. Okay, okay. all right. <laughs> just double down on that. All right. Yeah, we. I hear you. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. Uh, that's fine. You don't have to like it. No, I don't. I know I don't. Yeah. And I don't hate you for liking it. I just don't. It doesn't do for me what his best prose has done. Yeah. Or his comic book work. Well, I think like Sandman is, honestly, it's phenomenal. Yeah, and I can't wait for. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I'm a little. Or whatever the hell is I'm a little be. wary about it. Um, you know, I'm a Sandman, you know? Yeah. No, he's um, not in it anymore. No, but I, I, I do feel like that might be his greatest work in a lot of ways. Well, and, you, and I don't admire his task of having to get up every day and try to make something that's not Sandman. Right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, fair. Um, but I mean, I think he's he's done some really great stuff over the years. No, I, so. yeah, look, nobody's that. That's why I'm not softening what I'm saying by saying. I mean, I think it's great. Like we all know that he is like one of the most talented writers, most creative people alive today. Yeah. Um, white. <laughs> No, I'm not trying to discount uh, yeah. somebody who's not white. Um, yeah, no, for, for sure. But, you know, waking up every day being like, ooh, dream could... No, no, I'm not, I don't do that anymore. I'm right. trying to do, do this other else. thing about a dead kid or something. Well, I know. Which is kind of something I already did in Sandman. Yeah, I, I know. Maybe that's it's, the problem. It's that hard not to repeat yourself. He created a, a work of art that was so encompassing Yes. that... Even when you do American Gods, it's just like, well, this is kind of like Sandman, the idea the of gods who yeah. have to deal with the fact that people don't really believe in gods anymore mm-hmm. in Sandman. And then like, oh, no, now it's a 800 page novel. Yeah, exactly. And a not good show. Yeah. On Showtime. Uh, All right. That's too bad. Uh, moving on. Um, let's talk about those trailers that we said that we were going to talk about. Yep. Let's uh, do it. It's a trio of trailers. Uh-huh. Um, the first one I wanted to talk about was the Robert Eggers trailer for The Lighthouse. Robert Eggers, of course, the filmmaker behind The, the Vivitch, Vivitch. Yes. the uh, 2015 movie, which is excellent. I really liked. I, If you have not, audience, if you have not seen The Vivitch, do yourself a favor and go watch it right now. You're probably not going to like it. <laughs> you don't think so? It's not for everybody. It's not, but it's really creepy and it really gets under your skin. And um, I think it's really well done. And a movie that builds suspense, mm-hmm. um, but also sort of plays it straight. Yes. Um, in that there aren't any, well, I don't know, there might be jump scares, but there aren't any like, it, it, the logic of it all follows, and it's done very uh, realistically. Like, mm-hmm. there is no, like, monster or, like, like killer in the Not woods really. or something like that. Yeah. Just the whole, the thing that you have to accept is the the devil that Puritans fear that live in, lives in the woods is real in this movie. Right. Like, it isn't like, yes, they're being discriminated against for, like, you know, religious things, and it's, like, right. unfair and crazy, but... In this movie, it's all true. <laughs> like, right. there is a devil in the woods, uh-huh. uh, and he's going to do devil things. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, so you great. do have to take that leap of faith, but I, it's, it's really well done. Yeah. Um, this? I... <laughs> okay. Well, just, okay, this is, you, you don't even know what it's about, so now you can't just spool off the plot for 30 minutes. So, describe the trailer. Well, I mean, the trailer 
the gist of it's, it is the trailer is, is uh, about two minutes long. It's scenes from the movie that. <laughs> All right. You, you find a way to, to avoid doing what I asked. Still. Okay. It's it's Willem <laughs> Dafoe and Robert Pattinson, and they work at this lighthouse, and it's it looks like it's kind of like a psychological thriller in that, like, they've been there for a long time. They lose track of time. They, they get sick of being with each other. Are they going to be at each other's throats? You know, is there some mystery to be had here, or is this just about two men slowly going crazy? Uh, working at the lighthouse and Cthulhu and yeah, Lovecraft, right? Um, I I thought that the trailer looked pretty good. I I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about this. I know you have a different take on that. Um, I do. Um, the fact that uh, it's all in black and white was um like okay. Okay, we're going to do this. I see what's happening here. You First of all, after The Witch came out, yes. as far as on the, like the indie ticket goes, he can basically do whatever he wants. Yes. Right? Yeah. In the indie sphere. Mm-hmm. And he was attached to a um, Nosferatu remake for a while. Yes. Which I'm, not, I'm not sure where we're at on that. I heard about that. Um, but anyway... And so I was kind of excited about that. I mean, mm-hmm. why remake Nosferatu? I mean, it's pretty good already. It is pretty good already. But it is like, you know, the oldest film I can think of that is ripped off constantly. I mean, every Dracula movie is just well, parts of Nosferatu. T- to be fair, it the film ripped off parts of Dracula. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, yeah. I mean, no, I'm not. I'm not saying it's anything sacred. I mean, it's fair right. to rip it off, but. Yeah. But yeah, has anybody except for what's his name with Shadow of the Vampire, which we did cover on the show, yes. and uh, not good. Uh, um, yeah, without doing that and taking it seriously and not trying to make some point about uh, filmmaking right. or what what was going on in Shadow of the Vampire? Well, it was about the making of Nosferatu. No, no, I, I know that's that's what you tell a studio executive, and they go, "Oh, that sounds great," but then. In the last reel, you're doing something, and I don't know what it is. I'm not sure what it is. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, and they're kind of trying to show that Willem Dafoe, who played the actor who played Nosferatu, yeah. was uh, actually kind of crazy. But and he was a vampire, an actual vampire. I mean, he it dies. Seems like that's kind of when what sunlight they're saying. hits him. Yeah. Anyway, doesn't matter. Whatever. So uh, yeah. Uh, so back to this. Uh, but up, but up. Um, I don't know about this one <laughs> because yeah. this looks like his, you know, uh, you give an artist a uh, success and then the, um, the restrictions, the studio notes come off and what do they do? And sometimes it's Jackie Brown. Uh, sometimes it's, uh, like a life less ordinary, <laughs> you know, or it's the brothers bloom. This is where we see if you've got any staying power or not. And sure. having our, our little, our little golden boy. Uh, yeah. Sparkle Boy, uh, Sparkle. Robert Pattinson, and then, like, speaking of the sea, an anchor like Willem Dafoe in it. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be great performances. It's going to be great. But it just looks like, what's going on here? This looks pretty self-indulgent to me. Oh, Also, okay. it's apparently shot in, like, is it, like, Super 8? It's, like, a 4-3 ratio. Yeah. Like, it's not yeah. cinematic, or at least the trailer looks like that. So right. it's, like, what's going on there? 
I mean, that's definitely a Theaters choice. are going to find out how much masking they've got when this right? thing comes out. Exactly. Um, so you kind of feel like it, it all being in black and white is a little bit pretentious. pretentious. Yeah, that's yeah. the word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I guess I could see that. Um, I just felt it was kind of there to um, establish mood. But as we've also said, or as you have also said, mood spelled backward is doom. Oh, yeah. There's so, doom all over this. Like, it starts with, like, the two actors our main players in this yeah. staring directly at the camera yeah. you know like they're presenting themselves like we this we are in this this is our thing and here we go right and we're looking back at you the audience because we can see you or something see no it's just souls. like you know we we are here to present this this tale entertainment for you okay. this distraction sure. we are the dramatis personae and it's right. like all right, just just make a movie, it's a man. Little heavy-handed. Just make a movie. Yeah. I'm gonna play with my mic, so if you hear something, that's what the sound is. Okay. <laughs> um. The final thought. Gotta move on. I, I I still feel like I'm gonna be there. Oh, I'm gonna watch and it. Go see it. Okay. So you're gonna watch it, even if it's a train wreck. So yeah. okay. All right. Cool. It, um, it'll, it, and it'll, it will definitely that train will be a old steam engine. Yes. <laughs> it will not be a uh, bullet train or, no. or a commuter train. Yeah. It'll it'll be entertaining one way or another. Old timey. Yeah. Uh, what else did we see? We saw another trailer, a trailer for um, a movie by Taika Waititi. Yes. Uh, called Jojo Rabbit. I had not heard about this until you alerted me to the trailer, and I have to say, I am not thrilled. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you did make the good point that, like, we've uh, seen... Yeah, go ahead. That, that there, this is not the first time in a film where we have made Nazis comedic and... Oh, we're laughing at them. It's fine. You know, um, instead of just being completely evil and corrupt and the most worst bad guys ever... Uh, that that are, that we love to hate. Um, Get there. So I mean, she's I don't know. I gotta get there. I, I'm just I'll I'm take just over. frustrated. I'm of two minds about this. Okay. I think that you know, I I, I don't know. I I don't. I, okay. Here's the one mind. One mind is this ain't the right time to right to make fun of uh, Nazis. Like every time that you every time that Seth Meyer. Tells a joke, uh, and and he does his Donald Trump impression, and people laugh. Mm-hmm. I think that it makes Donald Trump more of a comedic figure than a yeah. hateful racist figure. No, I would agree with that. You know what I mean? I don't think yeah. that it's jokey time. And this is somebody who you know employs comedy, you know, in his job and every day. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that like some things can't be joked about, but I think like I think it's not effective. I think we gotta get real serious about some stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And if you marginalize something and you normalize it, then it's just like, what that wacky Trump do now? Right. Well, he took human rights away from a lot of people, and he's planning to do some more of that. So yeah. I don't think that that's really funny. Now I know that this has been done, especially with Hitler, over and over again uh, throughout um, cinematic history. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at. Uh, oh, Chaplin did it. Sure. Well, Chaplin did it before he'd invaded Poland. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like that was when was... he was just a guy that's like, hey, quiet down over there, guy with the funny mustache. Right. And when Mel Brooks did it, his entire career, uh, it was all after the Holocaust. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was all from a remove. Yes. Um, then we can get Hitler on ice or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't know. That's just kind of like how I look at it. And so we're in the midst of fighting literal Nazis right now. And yeah, now Taika right. he wants to <laughs> do a movie about how funny Nazis are that has Scarlett Johansson in it. I know. Problematic. <sighs> I know. I I wish she was not in this film. So I looked for... So wait. I'm, I'm supposed to be of two minds? Yeah. I don't know. See if you can find two minds in the thing that I just said. <laughs> so I looked for a reason to not get really mad about this. Okay. And believe that, uh, you know, instead of it just being my opinion, you know, um, the sword of the Lord and Gideon was behind me on this one. And I looked at it and I was like, you know what? Maybe it's okay for Jews to do this. Maybe right. that's fine. If you're if you're Charlie Chaplin, if you're Mel Brooks, mm-hmm. if you want to do this, right. that's fine. Right. Oh, what's Taika Waititi's real last name? Is it Cohen? God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. He's yeah. a Jewish filmmaker. Yes. And he's like, it's time for me to take on, in that grand tradition, I'm going to take Jewish on Jewish filmmakers, Hitler. yeah. Yeah. I know. And he's playing Hitler, too. Yeah. I mean, I guess Chaplin played Hitler. I, I bet, like, Sasha Baron Cohen's like, Oh, I had it. It was on my schedule. I was going right? to do that in three years. I know. You beat me to it, you son of a bitch. I know. So uh... anyway, that's that's how I feel. Like, I don't see myself going to see it. I don't want to see it. But, you know, I probably will. Um, as for the movie itself, it's hard to get a, a sense of it. Like, it just, it looks um, kind of slapsticky. It looks like one big joke. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, yeah, that's the goal. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, how do you, you know, accomplish that goal? Like, could you see, um, like, Wes Anderson doing a movie about Nazis? I guess so. And Hitler is like, like, what if Moonrise Kingdom was about Nazis? Like, uh-huh. Hitler is, you know, he's in charge of this troop or whatever, and he's, but he's like, <laughs> this kind of sounds like springtime for Hitler. Yeah, it? right. But it's all sort of like muted, and it's all like, but I wanted tanks. Oh, I'm sorry. We, we didn't get any tanks. Uh-huh. I wish we had tanks. <laughs> you know, would that be okay? Or why does it have to yeah. be this, like, eight-year-olds throwing potato yeah. masher grenades and yeah. things exploding? Right. It just looks like a farce. And my thing is, like, if you're going to commit to... I think a farce is, like, funny, but it's, like, the least um, effective... Um, well, now I'm going after Charlie Chaplin, I guess. But I think it's like the least effective way to comment if you... I assume you're doing this to comment. Yeah, I would Mr. assume. Mr. Cohen. Yeah. So I feel like a farce is like the least effective way to do that. I think like actually not getting serious, but like giving us... Making us maybe feel a little bit for these characters. Mm-hmm. Maybe even Hitler. But then right. showing us like how evil and ridiculous they are. Right might be a little more effective. And I don't have any good examples. No. I mean, there's not really any good examples to have. Um, I, I just, I don't know. Um, I guess I feel slightly better knowing that Taika Wachiti is Jewish himself. I don't know, just because it's like, well, I guess you uh, have you have the card that says you can make fun of Hitler. Oh, wow. Um, but... Anytime you want to start making fun of Hitler, I guess. go for it. Okay. Do, do it right uh, now. Huh? Do it right now. Do it right now. He's not listening. No, Hitler's a pansy. I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, but I, I still just you heard it here first. I know, right? <laughs> I still like just like it's cringeworthy. Like the the trailer, like he's talking to this kid who is Jojo Rabbit, or yeah. at least that's what they call him, right? And, and he's, he's like the the one Hitler youth that everybody picks on, or whatever. right? And like, he's I like, see people it. used to hit on me. I see like, that. Yeah, I get. I mean, I I get it. Right, I get it. I guess mm-hmm. I don't know the whole thing, but I I guess I kind of know where you're going. 
I just got a bad taste in my mouth about it. How and do you well, think it's going to do? I think it's going to tank. Yeah? Yeah. I think it's probably going to do really great. People love feeling edgy. People love feeling like they're getting away with something and like laughing at like, oh, this is, I'm laughing at, I'm having fun. Yeah. There's a lot of marshmallows in this movie. I, I guess. Uh, and then he's so hot right now. Well, that, he is very hot right yeah. now. Um, I Hopefully mean, this he's... isn't his Waterloo or his... Um, Battle of Berlin, or I don't know, whatever. Oh my gosh, I just <laughs> I don't want this him isn't to like Stalingrad. I don't want him to continue doing movies like this. So as long as this isn't the I don't beginning think of a trilogy, rampant too. I think he's getting it out of his system. Okay, uh, Scar Joe's just wants money for more uh, soda streams, and we're good to go. Great. What about the last trailer that we kind of saw? Oh, it was for. Uh, Nolan's new movie, Christopher yeah, Nolan, D- Nolan uh, Bushnell, Christopher uh, Nolan. The, oh, oh, Christopher Nolan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, called Tenet. He's got a new movie called Tenet. Yeah. There was a surprise trailer. This is how marketing works. Yeah. In front of Christopher Nolan. Um, let's just—I mean, let's face it. He makes mainstream movies now. I think he wants to feel like he doesn't, but he makes mainstream movies yeah. that are basically action movies, but they're like ooh, thinky movies. Right, right, right. And so that's the opposite of. Fast and the Furious. Hobbs and Shaw. So in front of Hobbs and Shaw, they snuck in a teaser trailer for Tenet. John David Washington starring in the new movie Tenet. Yes. And man, is it a teaser. Like, there's not a whole lot going on. We basically see a close-up of him. And then there's like some fighting. And that's... <laughs> there is some fighting. More or less it. There, yes. Um, he's looking at bullet holes in glass. Uh-huh. Um, we so we didn't go to see uh, Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, although. Shame on us. In the future. Yeah. yeah. Maybe there'll be a review on that in the future. Yeah. Um, so we uh, saw this um, thanks to uh, Fred's two feet. Uh, in this case, uh, my Googling skills. Yes. Uh, so it was kind of blurry, but we, I think we got the idea. Yes. Uh, he is looking at bullet holes. He is running. Mm-hmm. He is wearing an oxygen mask. Yes. Tenet. Breathing very heavily. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? And David Tennant's like, oh, I could have been in that. <laughs> uh, here's who's in it. Uh, like we said, John David Washington, Kent Branagh. Um, I guess Aaron, Aaron Taylor Johnson's in it. Um, Robert Pattinson, our boy. Yeah. And Michael Michael Caine. Mm-hmm. Michael Caine. And uh, Elizabeth Debicki. She's a she's a center starting center for the player. LA yeah. No, yeah. Okay. If you if you lose the plot and you don't know it's a joke anymore then we're in trouble. No, Elizabeth Debicki is that tall gorgeous blonde woman who's in like a lot of stuff. She was in the she's just getting her nights managed all the time <laughs> okay. by Tom Hiddleston. Sure. Right? Yeah. And she was um the golden lady in uh Guardians of the Galaxy Volume oh, 2. Oh, sure. She's the in Widows, one. which we were really excited for, and then we never actually saw because it kind of tanked and disappeared. Is Widows where, like, all of the women of the men in jail are, like... Yes. Okay. Honestly, saw a trailer for Hell's Kitchen. No, well, that... it's just called The Kitchen. Oh, it's but, just called yeah. The Kitchen. The Kitchen. Oh, looks a, a bonus, lot... bonus trailer. Yeah. That looks a lot like Widows, don't you think? Um... Widows looks good, um, but yeah, uh, yeah. I think it. I think it does. Okay, I mean, it's like basically the same idea. Like, I want to learn what you do. I want to, you know, I want to be a criminal. I want to like cheat people out of money and like 
but not get caught for it. Like, not go for jail for it. Yeah. What is behind... So, are we done with Tenet? What do you think it's about? Time travel. It's about sure, time travel. Yeah, they time they travel. use the word time about 57 times in the title cards in the in the teaser trailer. And uh, it'll, it'll be kind of trippy. Um, uh, maybe the main guy is the only one who does time travel. Or maybe other people will do it, but they're not aware of it. Um, and... Uh, and uh, also some fighting. I think it's going to be a ripoff of, of, okay, and I'm going to say primer, so you know what I'm talking about, but it's pronounced primer. And then I oh. watched an interview with Shane Carruth, and he calls it primer, and I'm like, you're mispronouncing your own movie. <laughs> but maybe early on he was just like, this is just what people are going to call it, so I'm going to call it that too. Okay, sure. Um, because they both have a one-word title mm-hmm. that is obfuscating but also implies something. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like the reason it's called primer, it's called primer. Yeah. Is because it's about, that has nothing to do with these two guys who create a time machine. Mm-hmm. It's about ethics and it's about how this friendship that breaks down because of um, the lack of time ethics. Travel. Yeah. And how yeah. them creating this time travel thing is for them a primer or a preparatory or introductory lesson into something in this case the ethics of time travel and mm-hmm. also the ethics of friendship sure tenet a tenet is like a belief or a rule or a law or something that you hold based mm-hmm. on you know a conviction which to, sounds like it's in the neighborhood of you know the same idea of a primer, primer or like a yeah. you know an ethical lesson um he has an ox- oxygen mask they need oxygen masks to um, time travel in uh, in Primer. Okay. So. Okay. I, I understand why you, you're getting that feel from it. Yeah. Okay. And I think that, you know, look you look at Inception. I mean, he went all the way with it. But the idea of going into dreams, um, you know, fooling people in dreams, that's not a new idea. Like, no, that's that's been in other stuff. Oh, yeah. It so definitely has. I, I'm not saying that he's stealing, but he's definitely, like... Borrowing heavily. Borrowing, <laughs> yeah. He's borrowing and not giving back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the kitchen. Yeah. What do you think was, what was the, why did they make this movie? <laughs> why is this movie made at all? Because I know it's based on a comic like book that nobody's widows. ever really like heard of or, or cares about. Yeah. Um, it's directed by a female director uh, who directed um, the World Trade Center, I think. So okay. like she's not, all three of the people in this don't really need this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Like I know Ms. Melissa McCarthy is, kind of taken she's kind of stepped back a little bit and she's not as hot as she used to be but um, she's still pretty big but she's still pretty big yeah tiffany haddish is quite we've done a couple um starring starring roles you know mm-hmm. um where she was the anchor and they didn't do so great so maybe she needs this and elizabeth moss at least for independent films or yeah. lower budget films is doing fine so none of them need to do this movie right it just seems like it doesn't seem like that original of a premise to me um, all the scenes we saw in the trailer were just terrible. Yeah. And every single one of them ends with Elizabeth Moss pointing a gun at somebody. So is that like right. her whole character? <laughs> that she's like, it kind of seemed like it. Like she's the loose cannon. Of Betty crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Betty should shoot you in the face. Right. Look out. Exactly. Yeah. Don't, don't cross Betty. Why is this happening? Um, I think they saw the opportunity to play badass bitches and they were like, yes, please. You said it. Uh, Yeah. And I think that's why it's happening. Um, and I also think somebody saw Widows and was like, we can do that, but different. So, 
Um, and then, yeah, Thanks, like it's widows. based off of a, the comic book. So. Thanks, widows. Right. Um, yeah, I think somebody bought this, um, you know, as part of a package deal. Like they got two or three other DC things. Do you know what I mean? Sure, Like yeah. they bought like a, like when you go to the comic store and they go, hey, this block of comics is uh, 10 bucks. You know, whatever is inside is yours. And the one on the top is like an old Flash issue. You're like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then all the rest of it inside it's is just, just blood strike. Yeah. What if we didn't talk about this film? What if we just put on a radio playing to tune to the 70s channel for about 20 minutes and we just call it good? Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a good way to recreate the experience mm-hmm. of watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes. An informal filmmaker will receive an informal discussion. <laughs> it's the, I don't know, ninth film ninth. by Quentin Tarantino. Yes. Uh, starring uh, Brad Pitt. Leonardo DiCaprio, because mm-hmm. is Scorsese jealous? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> also, Sharon Tate is played by Margot Robbie. Yes. And a bunch of other people, but that don't really star. It's pretty much those people. It's pretty much those people, yeah. yeah. Um, what do you think of this film? Hey, what happens in this film? Well, it is ostensibly about Leonardo DiCaprio's character, Rick Dalton, who is um, kind of a washed-up Hollywood TV star mostly tv he's done some movies but he was in this show that was really big in the 50s called bounty law and he was the the anti-hero of that film and um was a show yeah of the show sorry uh and uh the serialized show or well maybe it wasn't serialized anyways um brad pitt plays his stuntman uh and they've been working together for like eight or nine years at the beginning of the film and the beginning of the film <laughs> Which, how high are dicaprio's lifts yeah i know right because brad pitt is a stuntman i know he's so much taller than him but whatever yeah um and so dicaprio is feeling pretty washed up and like feeling like his career is kind of over because he's kind of just guest starring in like tv shows here and there uh and yeah, he's, he's doing a lot of, of day player, yeah, um, villain roles, yeah. And uh, what you get when you get in on the TV, uh, on the TV in the moving box, in uh, the fifties and sixties, you know, yeah. like so and so would show up on a, oh my God, he's the bad guy on Rockford this week. I guess that's seventies, but yeah, right. Um, and then like he's even more upset when like the director basically wants him to be unrecognizable <laughs> in like this this TV show, um, but. It's kind of about them, but it's like it teases the Manson murders like Charlie Manson is in like one scene and, you know. Well, there's a long sequence at Spawn Ranch. Yes. uh, And we meet the entire uh, Manson clan. We do. Um, Except Charlie's not home. I mean, they're all over this movie. (laughs) Like, it's not a small part of the film. No, that's true. Um and Cliff basically gives a ride home to this one girl. What's her name? I think her name is like her name Cliff. is Andy McDowell's daughter. Oh, okay. She looks like her. Um, in the film, way I, better actress. Oh. <laughs> I I love Andy McDowell. She's a great actress. No, she's not. No, she's really? a terrible actress. Oh. Um, I mean, she's 
you know, like you're thinking of Groundhog Day. I probably am, yeah. But in that, it's just like, well, Phil, aren't we going to do this or whatever? And it's just like, that's kind of the whole thing, right? And she yeah. just has to be kind of nice. And that's the whole character of Rita. But like, look at her in anything else. She's not a good actress, oh, but that's fine. But she's, you know, but that's the path that she, she was a model, you know, and, and obviously gorgeous, you know, mm-hmm. when she gets in the films. And then it's like, you know, it, th- that's enough. That's all you kind of, that's all you need. Right. You look at, I mean, speaking of actors or actresses and their kids, uh, oh, no, I say actor because actress is an absurdity. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Like, Uma Thurman was the same way. Like, she was not, it took her a long time to to get good, you know, mm-hmm. to become a good actress. Mm-hmm. Um, like, her kid is experiencing that. <laughs> I know, right? Sorry, you were talking about the movie. You were kind of done, though, I, w- I think I was done. <laughs> yeah. I think I was done. Yeah. Well, you forgot that uh, Al Pacino was sort of sniffing around yeah. uh, Cole Dalton. I still don't know his name. Rick, Rick Dalton. Dalton. Uh, because Al Pacino is, um, I don't know if he's a director, but he's a producer, I'm assuming. And he has a line to a... Um, Spaghetti Westerns. Uh, <laughs> just jump right to the end. I'm sorry. Just say it for me. To an Italian director, Margariti, who is possibly a connection to Inglorious Bastards because... They pretend that Eli Roth is like, you know, Margariti, this famous director, oh. when they go to the film premiere. I see. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, and he's making, now you can say it, Spaghetti, Spaghetti Westerns. Westerns. Right. Yeah. Which, of course, uh, Rick Dalton um, short-sightedly uh, doesn't see as being that important. Um, I don't think that Rick Dalton is supposed to be Clint Eastwood. No, I, don't, I, I didn't get but, that. But he has a, a similar track, like he was in cowboy tv shows mm-hmm. uh and then went to italy and made spaghetti westerns and that made his career and so right we he has his career path is kind of like that um, yeah and then the uh you know last third of the movie happens and we won't talk about that till spoilers right <sighs> what you think is that too broad a question um maybe but let, let me get let me get us started okay i was very dismayed Mm. by the lack of uh there was no mention of star trek anywhere in this movie <laughs> now i know for historical purposes this movie has to take place or does take place in the spring and summer of or like the late winter and summer mm-hmm. of 1969 yes at which point star trek was dead like it was on but it wasn't going to go anywhere i don't know they probably wouldn't have known until um, at the summer, they already knew it was dead, dead at that point. Right. But he is, they talk about how he has done, for the last like five or six years, he's done all these guest roles mm-hmm. and has been appearing on FBI and you know, Dragnet or whatever. Right. And they never say Star Trek once. And no. we know that Tarantino liked Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Is it because that he is currently in negotiations for Star Trek? But Leo DiCaprio, as. Rick Dalton would have been a great guest star on any Star Trek episode. Mm-hmm. He would have made a great Lazarus in the alternative factor. In fact, the actor who played Lazarus, Robert Brown, had a very similar trajectory to Rick Dalton. Like okay, he was in a sure. couple movies, then he was on like a TV show, an episodic TV show for a while, and then just kind of floated around and didn't have the uh, spaghetti western revival that uh, Rick Dalton gets. But right. Where was Star Trek? They even had Batman in it. They had Batman in it. Where was Star Trek? I don't know. The glaring omission of Star Trek. That's a a good question. I know you're a Star Trek advocate, but... All right. uh, Thanks for buttonholing, pigeonholing me. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, But I I think it's still a valid question because that was huge. All right, we'll move on. 
Um, I mean, and, it wasn't that big, but well, it was. For, Spock, it, Spock it, was big. It was big for 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 the time, and it was huge a huge step for sci fi. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Blah, more blah, blah, acceptable. Whatever. He's on these popular TV shows. Come on. Yeah. Where's FBI now? Nowhere. Well, right. Exactly. <laughs> um, I was. Uh, I I don't know how how to describe it exactly. Um, but the film ended, and I was just very unsatisfied. Um, so you were unsatisfied by the film. I was. I kind of had this feeling. Can you talk about aspects that you don't have to be obtuse about until we hit spoilers? Can you talk about your feelings about aspects of the film that are unspoiler related? I think so. So you're not just doing what you're doing right now. Well, <laughs> I'll say this, and this has been said in other places. You know, whatever you think of it, um, I don't think this has ever really been. Well, no, I mean. The last couple of movies that he's done have been period pictures. Yes. And so I think he's done a fantastic job of making, you know, the Old West look like the Old West or the World War II look like World War II. But, of course, those are themselves settings now. Mm-hmm. I guess late 60s Hollywood is a setting, but it's close enough that you can look at it and go, well, I, I'm an expert. I can tell you if this is correct or not. And it is seamless it is like one of the most impressive seamless um spot on like depictions of like late 60s hollywood i've ever seen it's yes amazing and i i actually was going to give it um that sort of compliment as well that's one positive thing i can say about this film is it they tried really really hard to um recreate exactly how everything looked in in 1969 yeah and i actually read an article about it um you know they had a couple of hollywood historians on hand and like somebody was like almost in tears because they they recreated a an entire block uh of la for 1969 this is outside of the theater right Yeah, yeah yeah exactly and um just like almost in tears because it's like this is the closest I'm going to come to actually experiencing what it was like then. And um, I there is another place I'm not sure if it was on the same strip, but there was like a famous I want to say it was like a donut shop that was in the background at one point. And um, the guy who owned it in the 60s like still owns it now, and he's like in his 90s. Oh. <laughs> but like. They recreated it so much. He was like, this is exactly how it looks when I opened it, you know? So um, I think that stuff is pretty cool. And um, I think he kind of nails the the overall nostalgia of the film. I did kind of feel like I wasn't exactly sure what I had consumed afterwards. Like... um, what did I just see? What am I supposed to get out of this film? Um, you know, what... You went back to talking obliquely about... Uh, is it too obliquely? Yeah, because there's something that you want to talk about and you can't because of spoilers. And so yeah. you're just going to say, boy, that thing that I want to talk about, I didn't know how to feel. What about your nemesis? How did she do? My nemesis? Oh, Margot Robbie, she did fine. Oh, wow. Wow. High and praise. She, she did fine. I praise. Um, what do you think about her with brown eyes? Oh, I honestly didn't notice. Um, fine. Oh. Um, I feel like it seems almost more natural. Well, I mean, I guess she's sort of like a 
Icelandic blonde type, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it, it worked. Um, I thought it was interesting. So the film that she's in and she goes to the theater to see. Um, the Wrecking Crew. Yeah. It, it's it's the real Sharon Tate that they show. Yeah. They they don't they didn't like recreate the scenes with Margot Robbie. It's the real Sharon Tate. Which and we can talk about this. So that's a choice. Really weird. Yeah. Because I, I it must have been done out of respect, but it leaves. <laughs> the thing about Tarantino is that like his movies can be so meticulously done, and then yeah. there are things that leave you wondering if it was sloppy and he just forgot. Or if it's intentional, or if he's trying to recreate a um, slapdash grindhouse style, I think he's past right. that at this point. Mm-hmm. Like in Pulp Fiction, like they're talking before Alexis Arquette comes out of the bathroom and shoots him, and yeah. the bullet holes are in the wall already. And clearly, right. it's just they just did a pickup take and didn't think about the fact that the there wall was set up for like there. for the bullet holes. Yeah. But so you're like, is that supposed to be? Are you sending me a message or something like that? Like, what's going on? with that and so i think you get that like in this film a lot there's a sequence where um dicaprio um as dalton is talking to the star of the show that he's on this week yes um and it's timothy Timothy oliphant yeah Yeah. and timothy oliphant's like i thought you were gonna be um in great escape you know how did mcqueen get that from you and Dalton's like, oh, well, you know, I just, you know, it didn't work out and we were going to do it. But then they said I wasn't right or whatever. But then we keep cutting to a scene from The Great Escape. Yes. Where he is playing the Steve McQueen role and he's yes. been digitally inserted into the footage. Yeah. So are we to think that this is like test footage or they were actually shooting and like the parts that huh. before he got fired? Right. Or is this him uh rick seeing in his mind what it would have been like if he had been in uh or is it a total non-sequitur and it is not connected to anything it's just the filmmaker showing us what leo would have looked like in the great escape see i kind of just assumed that it was him imagining what it would have been like if he had played the role yeah that's what i assumed um so we know that they're willing to do actor replacement right but then yeah like margot robbie as sharon tate goes to see wrecking that. crew yeah exactly. and she watches sharon tate play sharon tate's character right 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 in that film yeah exactly ah, i know but then they like and then they jump to a clip of her supposedly practicing martial arts with bruce lee for the film and it's margot robbie which I don't know a lot about the Matt Helm films, but I don't think Bruce Lee was the fight choreographer on them, was he? Probably not. I don't know. But I had that actor who was a Bruce Lee impersonator, and they were going to use him. So I guess, yeah, we got you for a week, pal. So. Right. So uh, I thought he was pretty good. The the guy who played Bruce Lee. Yeah, I know that Bruce Lee's daughter is, is real mad at the depiction of Bruce Lee, but it's not a very positive depiction now here's something else huh. and i've seen and i thought you were crazy when you said this and then i read a, like a review or some commentary and they thought the same thing do you think that that scene that brad pitt's character because we cut to him on yeah. the roof to this thing yeah, yeah yeah that do you think that actually happened or that is that some kind of daydream that he kicked bruce lee's ass so do you think that's all real or not so when i was watching the film what i got from that was it was him it was brad pitt thinking about if he was gonna go to the set and like what would have happened and he would have whooped bruce lee's butt 
But then you mentioned to me after we saw it that it was something that had already happened and he's just remembering it because Rick Dalton said, uh, I don't think you're going to get any stunt work on this because it's the stunt coordinator is the same guy from Green Hornet, played by Kurt Russell. Right. And you you know how bad you screwed that up. So right. we're seeing how bad he screwed that so up. So that's mentioned in the scene before. Yeah. When he tells him to fix his TV antenna. Yes. Then he goes to his house and he yes. gets up on the roof to fix the antenna. Yes. And he hears... Um, Music that Sharon Tate's playing. Sharon Tate's playing, playing uh, Paul Revere and the Raiders or something, something like, that. like that. Yeah, and uh, and then he is like, huh. and then he we see this, but we don't know if that's just the movie flashing back for us, which Tarantino is wont to do. Although not a lot in this film, this film is pretty I, straightforward. You know, I kind of think that you know what I thought originally. I think that's not true. I think it's it is what you said. I think it is okay. um, well, him remembering else on the internet supports your earlier theory. I think it's a little confusing, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> it's confusing as uh, wait a minute. I thought uh, John Travolta was dead. Well, now he's uh, right getting eggs. You're right. <laughs> um. And, uh, well, we also hear early on, I don't feel like this is really a spoiler, uh, but uh, Brad Pitt's character, it's supposedly really well known. It's it's a not very well-kept secret that he supposedly killed his wife, but it has not been proven. Which everybody immediately connects to the uh, Robert Wagner, um, uh, Natalie, what's her name? Oh, okay. I hadn't thought about that. Which I was like, yeah, but... But we get a flash of him and yeah, his wife a, on the boat. A 30 rock flash. <laughs> Dude, I know. And it, it's like he has something in his hand that looks like it could be a weapon. It's like a it's like a harpoon or spear something. gun or something. Yeah. 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 So are we led to believe that like he shoots her with it and, then and she goes she's overboard or something? comically shrewish. Like, oh, she's terrible. So again, just, you know, super feminist. Thanks, QT. Looking good as right? always. Yeah. My biggest regret for this film and, you know, we'll talk about some more uh, just in a few minutes with spoilers. Um, all the usual stuff is there. Uh, underbaked female parts. Yeah. Um, lots of yelling from DiCaprio. A real feeling of like, why are we doing this? Why is any of this happening? Well, and Looks then, real like, cool, but I don't really get why it's happening. Right. But my biggest regret is the fact that he made a movie that, yes, Hollywood, films. We get it. Leo wants to be in films. But it's... He is a TV star. Yes. And we see him on the set of TV shows. Yes. And there's even a long extended sequence where we see him working for a day on a TV set. Yes. And yet, when we shoot those scenes, it becomes a movie. Yeah. Quentin Tarantino was making like a one-to-one recreation of um, Django, you know, the original uh, Italian uh, spaghetti western. And we had like a tavern cantina scene where a guy comes in and he starts talking to another guy and they sit down and it's tense and you've got the lighting it's a they're making this is a movie scene and then the joke is like when they break for to get a line or or do makeup or whatever then it's like oh now we're on a tv set set. but it's just like i know that making a tv show isn't your thing unless you're directing a csi episode or whatever right quentin tarantino but you this is specifically about making tv and yet right. you made the TV parts look like a movie, and I think that's a shame. Because this is supposed to be it's about a choice. TV star. Yeah, right. It's, maybe this isn't your story to tell. I don't mean to get all like sanctimonious about it, but... Yeah, maybe. Or find a way to... What if you filmed 
them filming the TV show? What if you had a TV set up and a crew and they were shooting like they were shooting a TV show, but you shot your film with the lighting and everything of them shooting a TV show? So you're more removed. Because it's just sort of like there are a couple scenes from a cowboy movie (laughs) in in the middle of this other movie about uh, people uh, who are working in TV in L.A. Right. I didn't understand why. I mean, clearly he was comfortable with that. I didn't like that choice. Also, I also yeah. didn't like, I know he kind of just did a spaghetti western because I think hey, you can argue that, well, Faithful Eight is, yeah. I mean, I was going to say Django okay. and Chain, but he yada, yada, yadas Rick's six months making spaghetti western films. When if you wanted to make a story about an actor who's dealing with something and then like show meta scenes in movies that are kind of like scenes that we're watching, get, play your little chili pepper heart out. Like, that was the six months in Italy that you yada, yada, yada. You right. have to have a movie about making spaghetti westerns in Italy in you somewhere, Tarantino. But maybe right. he just didn't. No, that's not this movie. Yeah, I'm not really sure what the choice was there. We'll talk about his most important choices as we move into our spoiler territory. Spoilers from here on out. Okay. Why are the Mansons in this film at all? What's the point? Honestly, just I Just to have I somebody to kill? I, I don't really know other than, like... Let's, like he's done with some of his other films. It's let's, really just a story. Let's take a history, historical event yeah. and let's turn it on its head. Yeah, and it's a, it's a story about a, an actor who, you know, lo- has talent, but, you know, he's he loses confidence and he doesn't know what yeah. he's going to do with himself. And then, you know, just like, I mean, his movies are never really about anything, I don't think. They're just like things happen to people, you know, there's... yeah. Good guys and bad guys, but yeah. the good guys are bad, the bad guys are good, and sure. it's just like shit happens. Uh, you know, there is no God; just it's all chance and circumstance. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's this guy that we're rooting for, and then it kind of works out for him, and we right. should feel good about that, right? Thanks to flamethrower murder. <laughs> Why I know is Sharon Tate and. The Mansons in this. I've heard it said, and I don't believe this. I think this is on paper. I don't believe it in, that it's in the movie. That this is about the end of an era, and a lot of people think, okay, not think, 1969 was a pivotal time, yes, in America, absolutely. Um, sort of leaving the innocence of the 60s and going into the uh, what was on the other side of the innocence of the 60s, yeah. But that's not in there at all. You've just I don't got think so. weirdo hippie chicks mm-hmm. and Sharon. Tate, who for a lot of people represents that, like, you know, her death being the start of things getting bad, but she doesn't die. Spoiler alert. Right. So it doesn't mean anything. Not to mention the fact that they French fry murder three people who haven't done anything. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? I know that like... I know. By the time that the... The bastards kill Hitler. I presume that the concentration camps are up and running, right? Yeah. Oh, I absolutely But these are just three junkies... Uh, who are uh-huh. whacked out, who break into a place. They have evil intent for sure. Yes. But they crucify these three kids I know. who have done nothing. I know. It's the baby Hitler argument. If you kill baby Hitler, go back in time, kill baby Hitler, right. you're just killing a baby. Well, right. Who's done nothing wrong. Right. They mutilate these kids. They do. And they have done absolutely nothing to deserve it yet. Well. But we're supposed to cheer. Well, I mean, they, they they have malicious intent, like you said, and they get the wrong house. They they think they're going into Sharon Tate's house. They don't even and know not. where they are. No, they don't even and know where they are. dog eats their nuts. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and they get their head um, 
pushed in. And I liked it. Yes. Yeah. The best part was the most easily recreatable violence was visited on the bitchy female character again. Come on, man. Come on. And then, and then the other. I mean, I guess a dog can't bite a girl's nuts off, but just, you know, how many real women have had their heads bashed into walls over and over again? I know. I know, and then the, and then we get the flamethrower at the end because why in the world? That's we, cartoon. Though. Like, That's just a cartoon. Why does Rick Dalton have the flamethrower? Did he just because like, it's not I'm real anymore? Keep it? <laughs> there's, yeah, there's no reality. Yeah, and remember you saw it at the beginning of the movie. I remember. I just don't know why it's in the end here. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think this is one of those for me where riding the wave wasn't enough. Right. You know, you, you just create like a... Because hatefully, it's not really about anything. No, it's not. But you just follow these characters and you feel like you're in this world. And by the end, you feel like, again, <sighs> visiting horrible violence upon a, a woman. Uh, but she was a really bad person. Though. I know. Um, yeah, this is like... It's an amazing playground. It's an amazing backdrop of late 60s LA yeah. that he's he's put there. But I don't know why we're here. I don't I don't know why we're here either and and then I don't know if like Brad Pitt's character who him and his dog really like just rip at least two of these people apart and and are we supposed to be cheering from him for him because yes. like he supposedly killed his wife so we know he's capable of killing again is that what we're supposed to think No we're just supposed to think that you know he was probably whether he did or not uh, on purpose because he did he was responsible for a death we just don't know if it was on purpose um he's just the, the guy you needed at that time well and i guess thank I mean? god he had an acid cigarette otherwise maybe he would have freaked out like, i don't know jules and and vince are are bad people yes uh, but in the opening scene of pulp fiction we don't want alexis arquette to kill them with no. his hand cannon right. that's bigger than he is. Right. Like, we want them to survive. And so they are the protagonists of that. And right. so Brad Pitt, whatever his thing is, is, you know, and it's not like a, it's a surprise. For So <laughs> we talked, we've talked about this. Every time we brought up this movie on this show before now, we said, how is he going to do it? Right. Because How is he like, going to have this good, fun, good time? We're fighting right. Bruce Lee. And then also this is going to end with the Manson murders. Right. And I think we never, I'm not sure we ever came up with it, but the answer was right in front of us. And the answer was, he's not. Exactly. He's going to do what is his thing now, which is create a historical situation. Yeah. And then do the opposite of what happens in history. I think it's I think it's so fascinating that he can't understand the Kelvin timeline, and yet all of his movies now take place in an alternate universe. Well, you're absolutely right where about that. slavery was stopped by a cool, you know, mother mother on a on a horse. Yeah. Uh, where Hitler was killed by Jewish commandos. Mm-hmm. Where, like, what else are we gonna do? Are we gonna have like? RFK, you know, shoots Sirhan Sirhan or something like that. Like yeah, we can just build up all these other like historical things. I like, know. Well, and like he, he. I mean, I guess talk about subverting expectations. No, like, not. But that's sorry. That was the point I was getting to. There was a tiny shred in my mind where I was like, "Oh, Brad Pitt might be in trouble." But then I was like, mm, "That dog is right. standing on the couch." I know. I think the thing is going to be they just. Rip the shit out of these kids. Yeah. And that's the end. Yep. And that's, and that's the end. The end. Um, I mean. He just can't. There will be blood. There's going to have to be blood. I know. I think that he had a real good thing going on here where he almost told a s- mostly straight 
historical story. Now, I'm not thinking that he's going to find some way to like have a bunch of pathos and like actually try to depict like the death of Sharon Tate, although he wants you to think he does because we get into Kurt Russell, you know, takes us on excruciating detail about the last moments of um, her and her friends. I know. I didn't think that he was going to like go through with that and have us like feel real bad about, you know, the end of this film. But this whole movie is almost a perfect like historical drama about those days. And then the last 10 minutes is like, cartoon violence I know bigger than anything we see in any of his early movies like on the level of you know blowing uh, Zed's dick off with a shotgun <laughs> I like know. It's, and it's like did you I feel like he was like keeping it in he was keeping it in it's like oh I gotta have somebody get killed somebody get mutilated come on come on right um, he almost made a real movie almost yeah almost and like he had us thinking that he was gonna make a <laughs> horse, 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 horse. It's like the Frank Miller thing. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, he just like I just don't know how I feel. Like I don't want to say I feel cheated because it's not like I want to see a pregnant woman get murdered because I don't. Um, I demand this pregnant woman is murdered. And and you know <gasps> what? What? Oh. What? Somebody's written a trashy novel about the Mansons. You know. Stealing her her baby or whatever. Oh, I'm sure. Right, and then the cops covered it up. They said, "Oh no, we've got the baby's dead too." But uh-huh. but her real, you know, daughter or whatever is now. Oh, I see what an you're adult. saying. Uh, Manson family. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's uh, that's pretty messed up. Um, Sorry. No, wow. it's fine. Continue. Um. No, I just. Get your point. Come on. I I I. It's not like I needed to see the historical thing actually happen. I didn't, but why is this even here? Well, exactly. Like they they did like the breakdowns of that evening. Like this time they they went to eat here, and then at this time they did this. They got a fun thing set up where she spends like the whole day watching like uh, (laughs) Wrecking Crew. Like Brad Pitt gets a lot done while Sharon Tate's watching the Wrecking Crew. I know. Maybe she stayed for the second showing or something like that. I don't know. That's not clear. But we get this picture of an actor on his way down. He's on his way out and Mm -hmm. a starlet who is on the rise. And you go, okay, I guess I know where we're going here. None of that matters. No. You can subvert things, but you don't just like tear off the end of the book and throw it away. You replace it with something else. And the very, like, probably the most ham-handed symbolism he's ever had you know at the end of the film where the voice of god <laughs> in this case sharon tate yeah I know. through her uh, intercom, intercom welcomes him to heaven and the not pearly in this case wrought iron gates right. open and now he's being ushered into you know the, the, the good life home. of hollywood yeah yeah really it's pretty prosaic it is for quentin tarantino well and then you mentioned too like there there is uh an end like trailer sequence or what have you, like something that's at the end. I don't of the know film. why the tag is in the at the I, end of the film. I don't get it either. It makes no sense. No. And and you made a, a really good point. Like he, you know, was kind of an asshole, and then like we he know just, he's not perfect, right? But he's but he's our protagonist right and he seemed redeemable kind of yeah. at the and we, end and yeah and he burned a lady alive yeah who was no threat to anybody no nope. uh so yeah so he deserves everything he's gonna get so why come back on with the tag and show that he's a real dick or at least was right and then why the batman and robin radio contest i have no idea 
And it's I think- just this is my point. How can somebody who creates things so meticulously be so sloppy to just throw shit everywhere, just throw things in? I I know. Uh, it's it's really frustrating. How'd you, what'd you think of Leo? I think he did a good job. Yeah, um, he's good. Yeah, I, I think he did a really good job. I I think that he did a really great job in the, what the character was uh, constructed to be, which is somebody who um, is very nervous about their career. Yes, but also is probably not like a real confident guy anyway. You know, mm-hmm. he's sort of stuttering. He's sort of. You know, not looking people in the face, and he's just (laughs) well. I mean, that's frustration over his career. Yeah, but then you know the lights come on, and there's a reason that he's in Hollywood. Like he he gets it done. Yeah, and I think Leo did a really good job of of showing you know those two sides. What I don't buy is Leo as a '60s matinee star or a '50s matinee star. Okay, he just would not have been. He was a guy who came up in the late '80s, early '90s, as a you know cool little kid. Yeah, I know. Uh, as a child actor, right. has continued because of his association with famous directors and he's no small amount of talent. He would not have been a marquee star back then. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I can don't think see he that. would have even been a TV star. I just don't buy him in these roles. I buy him as Calvin Candy, a you know rich kid who is playing at being a southern gentleman. Right. You know, you're supposed to feel like he he's not pulling it off, mm-hmm. but when he's like, "Hey, I'm." I'm Rick Dalton. Try these cigarettes. Right. Like, I just don't believe him. You know, okay. He just doesn't seem... He couldn't stand toe-to-toe with Steve McQueen or right. Damian Lewis as Steve McQueen. <laughs> Did you like the exposition? Ah, oh, the exposition. It was very heavy-handed. You, it, was so, it was so heavy-handed. Just say, whatever happened to, like, not this, not this, but whatever happened to, like, dialogue as exposition. I know. So it's like, hey, Steve, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty good, Connie, right? Oh, yeah. boy, I see you got your eyes on Sharon. No, instead, they pull up to the Playboy Mansion in titles. I know. And then, bing, 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 J.C. Ring, uh, Steve McQueen, uh, uh, Michelle Williams or whatever. Yeah, And I then know. later on, he's like, yeah, so J.C. Ring and <laughs> Sharon Tate used to go out, but then she met Roman Polanski, and now Roman Polanski is married to Sharon Tate. Right. But Jay Sebring is still friends with Sharon Tate because Roman, Roman Polanski is gone. Jay Sebring is going to get in there yeah. and do Sharon Tate. Right. It's like, thank you. I know. Thank you for that that detail. Thanks, movie. Yeah. I was like, how are they going to explain that? Oh, they're just going to literally explain it. Yes. Yes. That's, That's exactly what they did. That used to be what dialogue was for. I know. Well, and I also read, this is just a minor thing, but um, slight fabrication that the Playboy Mansion was around there because Hugh Hefner didn't actually purchase it until 1971. (laughs) So anyways, but they were like, it was fun anyways. So yeah, we did that. Uh (laughs) It's an alternate universe. Right? Right. Maybe uh, when Hitler was killed by Jewish commandos, Hugh Hefner's like, I should buy that mansion. (laughs) Started the clubs earlier. Right. There you he go. had the scratch together and he, uh-huh. uh, yeah, he bought the mansion. <laughs> it makes me wonder too. So now that um, Sharon Tate doesn't die, um, yeah. I don't think her trajectory would be too different. I think that from what I, and I don't know a ton about her, but I think that she was really looking forward to being a mother and um, she might have done a couple more movies, but I think that she probably would have just settled into being a, a mom and, uh, and a wife. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Polanski never, well, he flees to Europe after what happens. Let's assume yeah. that he doesn't do what he does. Right. So we still get, well, we get everything. 
We get everything we... Well, no, maybe we don't get... So here's my question. Do we get Chinatown? I don't know if we do. You know, do we get... I mean, if he doesn't flee to Europe, then do we get any of his, you know, later work mm-hmm. um, in Europe? Like, right. does Adrian Brody get to kiss Halle Berry? That's what I right. need to know. Like, is right. his entire life different? Um, It might be. And how good is everybody's hair since Jay Sebring's still hanging around? <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, to me, it's like, mm, that's a movie. Right? Make that movie. Yeah. Um, oh! Whoa, whoa, what's that? We did it. Thanks what? for sticking around, everybody. We're almost done. You can make movies about Hitler all you want. I want somebody to make a movie about an alternate universe where Roman Polanski, that makes Roman Polanski look good, and he goes and has <laughs> dinner with his friend Bill Cosby. Oh, I know. <laughs> um, I saw that some, uh, it was like a street artist in L.A., changed several billboards for once upon a time in hollywood to uh feature uh epstein and polanski instead of pitt and um dicaprio wow uh put their heads on and then like instead of hollywood it was like pedo wood so yeah wow um yep and then like a couple of ads that were on benches they instead of polanski they put um Woody Allen. Wow. I know. I know. So there you go. Great stuff. I know. Way to go, street artists. Whatever. Keep, keeping it real. Anyway, um, yeah, everybody's fine. That guy plays Manson. We always wondered, like, how come it's not somebody famous? Because he's in one scene. I know. He's in one scene. Like, Tim, what's Tim the Roth big deal? got cut. I could have sworn that James Marsden was supposed to be in this thing. I remember hearing that he was supposed anywhere. to be in it, and he was cut also, and it's not even a thing saying James Marsden was cut. So it's just weird. Like, I don't want a movie where it's like, oh, my God, it's, you know, it's Natalie Wood, or like, oh, what's uh, what's Audrey Hepburn have to say about that? Well, right. I didn't want that, but it's just so random to be like, I guess we need Steve McQueen so he can explain all this I, to I Connie guess. Stevens. Yeah. And then like Michelle Williams is that's that's fun because then you get Mama Cass as a side right and ma- you know I don't maybe she was really friends with uh, Sharon Tate I don't know right um, but it's just like there's this one scene where it's like wait, they're really obvious about it and then the rest of the time it's all fake shows it's all fake you know there's no Bonnie Law right Timothy all thought was a fake guy yes um they're the little girl Trudy or whatever it was just right I know insufferable she was kind of why. He's never done anything with kids before. Why I, now? I, I, I don't It's know. clear that he's trying to make a point about cynicism in Hollywood by showing the absence of it. He's showing this little girl who's, um, I need to work on my lines right now. Uh, I, I do like to stay in character when I'm on set. Yeah, no juice box, please. They didn't have them in 1852. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And he's showing that it's like Hollywood can do this to somebody. And then at the same time, um, Rick is reading his book, which is like, his book is about... A actor, I mean, a cowboy. a cowboy who rides things and he gets hurt and can't do it anymore. It's just like the most obvious Heavy symbolism, handed. but maybe Greg's so dumb he needs that. And then so, yep. and then while he's like crying over the book, she's like, it's okay. And he's like, you're going to be there too someday. Is that what Tarantino's trying to say? That like, that all this, everything corrupts? Yeah, but also just this, you know, empty Hollywood sort of thing is just not worth it. And everybody is, thinks that they're doing so great and they're not. And it's, is it like self-critique? Um, or is it just a chance n- to neg another chick? 
Oh, Get them while they're young. Oh, boy. I mean... Would you recommend this film? <laughs> honestly, no. I, I have to say, this might be my least favorite of all of Tarantino films. Where's Jackie Brown fit on that list? You know... It's hard to say, but I think I enjoyed Jackie Brown more than I enjoyed this film. Oh, absolutely. Jackie Brown's better than this film. Um, yeah. And I don't know what it is. It's like, it's hard for me to put my finger on it because, like, I, I do care about Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth, but maybe I don't care about them enough, or maybe I, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like, but like you see like characters like like Jackie Brown and like she's trying to double cross I don't even know how many people. But she's also just a woman who's like just Desperate tired. And she's very just tired. fed up. Yeah. 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 Um I, Cliff Booth is a, is a sociopath. Well. I didn't yeah, feel for him at all. That's true. And I don't even know why they have Chekhov's acid lace cigarette. Like it doesn't I know. have anything to do with it. They're already they come back from the Mexican restaurant. They're already hammered. You know what I mean? Right. Like if you need him to be in a altered space, he's already there. The fact that he's quote unquote tripping or whatever has nothing to do with anything. So why is that even in there? And maybe he's um You get a less... little bit of goofiness out of Brad Pitt to get doing his uh, taking his stoner bit, you know, out of mothballs. Right. And being like, whoa, are you really there? Whoa. Maybe he's less considerate to the fact that these are actual human beings. No, I mean. I don't know. I got the feeling that he would have done that anyway. Okay. All right. He's I mean, got that the was... dog trained to, to, to attack on command. Yeah, so. I know. I would recommend this. Really? Yep. I still, you know, it's still, he's one of the best and most technically skilled filmmakers t- operating today, even though I think that his style is starting to run into his ambitions as a storyteller mm-hmm. or the things he picks. He's done this a lot. He'll do a thing where he's got the camera on a mount and he'll like, all one take, he'll look at somebody, they deliver their dialogue, we pan over to the other person, they deliver their dialogue, pans back. And I'm getting a little tired of that now, uh-huh. especially when you've got Bruce Lee talking to Brad Pitt. Right. And it's just like, I don't think you could beat Muhammad Ali. Well, maybe it's you should put your money where your mouth is. Go back, back. You know, it's, I know. It's just getting kind of it's one thing when you're shooting it in a in a coffee shop, you know, or you're doing it like in an apartment or something like that. Sure. But this is you're supposed to be showing either the grandeur the of Hollywood right. or undercutting the grandeur of Hollywood. And you're not really doing either of those things. Like, it's a it's an odd. You're choice. still doing you things. Yeah. But you're trying to tell this story about this Hollywood fairy tale, and I don't know right. how your style or what you're bringing to it, <laughs> and Charlie Manson and Sharon Tate and all I this know. stuff fits into it. Yeah. And if you go, it's just about like what happens. Like, what if it would, you know it's a fairy tale? It's like, no, I get that, but I can't believe that nine films in, it's that simplistic. Right. No, I I get what you're saying, and like. But I I'd still recommend it. Oh, okay. I didn't I didn't hate it. I wasn't bored. I was a little bored when we were like just this movie's brought to you by listening to the radio while driving in your car. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. That went on for quite a, quite a bit. Yeah, I did. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, and I guess I would have liked to have seen some more of their experience in Italy instead of it being yada yada yada. I want a sequel film, a Dakota Fanning and. Trying to shoot Gerald Ford. There you go. Great. Hey, 
Well, there you go. Um, hope you agree with us. <laughs> or if you don't, uh, we want to hear about that as well. Right. Uh, you can tell all of us, all of us, both of us that on social media uh, by going to Just Enough Trope on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, let us know what you thought about mm-hmm. this and what you think about Tarantino, if you think he's going to quit. I don't think he's going to quit. I don't think he's going to quit he's either. Quit. I, I just don't They'll believe that. have to drag that. him away. Yeah. yeah, right? Unless he's got something planned. He really does want to work on that uh, lacrosse, uh, maybe buy a lacrosse team like we talked about. I guess. But, but uh, yeah, let us know what you think about that. Also, uh, hey, follow us on those social medias. Uh, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. Subscribe to the show. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever platform you're on. You're listening. I assume you know how to get it, but if you're not subscribed, it's a great way to get the show. Yes. Whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Acast, uh, all those good platforms, uh, yes. subscribe to us there. It comes right to you. Also, leave us a review because we want to know how you think we're doing and uh, what we should cover next. And give us a, uh, a review. That's probably or a rating. That's the best thing. Yeah. We need that high rating. Let's those algorithms, those computers know how we're doing, and we move up in the ranks. Really so good. give us uh, five rat flavored dog food cans. Yeah, gross. Uh, what what what's what's the the taste of rat? How do they test that? Hmm, that really does uh, taste like rat. I don't I don't I don't know. I don't want to know. The, I think what's it was about what's going on. I think it was like. It's already gross because it's like a gelatinous form that's yeah. literally falling out of this can and yeah. barely you know, Brad changing Pitt, shape. Brad Pitt uh, licked real dog food for that. I don't know. <laughs> gross. But he would, though. I would not be surprised. Yeah. Um, I I think it's honestly just a gross factor. I think it's supposed to just gross us out. Um, well, I mean, that's not... That's what he's about, right? Grossing I, people out? I'm sometimes, cut a guy's ear off, I guess. I mean, like... <laughs> I, this is... We went from... Cutting a guy's ear off, cutting off a cop's ear. Yeah. To rat flavored dog food. Licking rat flavored dog food. Yeah. So let's just stay out of that. Give us five stars instead. Sounds good. We appreciate it. Hollywood stars on the Walk of Fame. There you go. Well, we'll be back next week to talk about something else. And until we do, we're signing off. And I'm your host, Caliban. I'm your co host, Mikan Hana. Keep the geek fires burning. Woo!